For July 9th, 2015, this is episode 24 of the PHP Roundtable. Today we discuss what it takes to become a PHP entrepreneur. I'm your host, Sammy K. Powers. So here's the scenario. I have a nine to five job and I want to start my own business. So what do I do next? If that thought has ever crossed your mind, then today's episode is for you. We'll discuss what realistic steps you'll need to take in order to transform yourself from a PHP employee to a PHP entrepreneur. So now that we know what we're discussing, let's meet the panel. And in no particular order, we'll kick it off with Michelangelo Van Dam, Dragon B on Twitter. Uh, he's a Zen certified engineer, a PHP consultant for two in, uh, I'm sorry, into IT. I always mess that one up. And community leader at PHP Bellinux. Welcome, Michelangelo. Hi, Internet. <laughs> second second uh, PHP roundtable in a row. Back to back. <laughs> and also, Chris Harchis is joining us once again. He's a, he's a veteran of the PHP roundtable as well, has uh, done one before. And he's a long-suffering promoter of testing in PHP and the greatest grumpy programmer of all time. Welcome, Chris. Hello, Sammy. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. Um, I want to just, you guys have been um, influential in the community um, and inspiring from your ways of, of converting your PHP knowledge and um, experience in the community to actual businesses that you profit from. So for the person who's at, sitting at their nine to five job thinking, man, I wish I could be like Chris or Michelangelo, what do you, what would your advice be for giving them that that first step, like what, what should they think of first? Chris, do you want to kick that one off? Um, sure. So, I mean, I, I think before I talk about that, it, I could probably talk about how I ended up where I was because my path is a little bit different from, um, from Mike's. So in my case, for me, what was happening was that um, I wanted, I wanted to work for myself. And so, I mean, that is a very common thing. Uh, you know, lots of developers kind of chafe a bit at, the structure of wherever they happen to be working. And many of them think if only I could, you know, if only I could, it, you know, if only I could have me for a boss instead of the person that is my boss, um, life would be so much better. Um, so for me, the reason I ended up where this was, I first decided I wanted to just make a little bit of extra money on the side to help fund hobbies, help uh, make life at home a little bit easier for everybody. Um, so my path started with committing to, um, create something on the side for money. So this was kind of the first thing. This is where I started figuring out uh, what is it going to be? Is it going to be books? Is it going to be um, um, courses, video casts? So I've tried a little bit of everything and, and it's worked out quite well. And the fact that those things then were working out so well led me to like kind of figure out the next step was if I want to work, uh, for me, the freelance consulting life is not a, good fit as someone that's very, um, very opinionated about the way that they want to do things. This doesn't always match up well with being a consultant and having clients and where you have clients and oftentimes you switch from just having one boss to having multiple bosses. So in my case, I was like, no, I want to be my boss. So I want to find a way to produce for myself. So uh, I coupled that with taking um, a product development course through a longtime friend of mine, Amy Hoy, kind of taught me how to do research and figure out ways to produce things that people want to actually give me money for. Um, and along the way, I've learned a lot about the startup mentality and the parts of that that I don't like and what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are. And then once I kind of had the info product thing going, 
that's when I decided it was time to make the transition from working five days a week, nine to five for somebody else to slowly moving towards um, working uh, five days a week for me. I'm not there yet. I'm still quite a ways away, but we started off with just four days a week for somebody else and one day a week for me. Cool. And what was that transition like for you? Like, actually, do you remember what your first steps were or, or the first thoughts that were popping into your mind when you were kind of making that transition into entrepreneurship? Well, I mean, it was pretty seamless. It was just more one of these things where I, I, I knew that I could learn the marketing side of things because um, I've done a lot of conference talks. And, and despite what people might think, conference talks are really have a large marketing yourself component. To it. So once I learned about how I could communicate ideas to people, it wasn't that hard to kind of learn the language of marketing products to people and learning this idea of, you know, you're, you're trying to promote a, a service or a product. And, and uh, so many people I see just flat out fail at this part where they're, they're, I mean, we only have so much time, right? I mean, especially as someone uh, at my advanced age in terms of like internet workers, I'm like 44 and that's pretty old for a programmer who's not, who hasn't already transitioned to managing other people. I don't want to manage other people. Um, so I still have to code. So, but just seeing people, the idea where they're creating something first and worrying about whether it's going to make money second, that wasn't going to work if I, for me, if I wanted to exit from working as a salaried employee for somebody to basically trying to create my own job, which is, which is kind of how I've been approaching it. And at some point I decided I wanted to do this. And um, my friend Amy on her blog had talked about this idea of, you know, you need time to do your own things. And sometimes the only way to get that time is you can't work as much for somebody else. So the idea was how can I switch from five days a week to four days a week working for somebody uh, and then leaving one day to do my stuff because I was taking all these slices of my time away, evenings and weekends, um, to work on things. So you're like perpetually tired. You're perpetually working on trying to get long-term things done in just little slices. So you're slicing away all your time. And, you know, a lot of developers have problems focusing. There's so many distractions. So I wanted to take all that time I was spending in evenings and weekends and instead do it during the week. So Amy shared a few techniques on, you know, find another job that's a significant pay raise and then go to your current boss and say, I'd love to stay here but I have this other offer. I'm willing to stay if you'll just let me work four days a week instead of five. And when I decided that's what I was going to do, um, uh, you know, I instead, I, I figured where I was working was not going to go along with that plan. So it's probably better for me to do some research and find someone else that was willing to go along with that plan. And that's when I got in contact uh, with Evan Curry and the folks at Rove and it turned out to be a perfect fit. Um, they were okay with me working four days a week on Rove related projects. And I get my Fridays for me, which has been um, has really reduced like job related stress and allowed me to do a much better job of planning the things that I want to do, knowing I only have this amount of time. I'm, I really resist the idea of working uh, evenings and weekends on things to make money. So um, it's it's been very beneficial that way for me. That's cool. I like that your story is, is quite different from mine, how I got into entrepreneurship. But um, I'm, I'm curious, Michelangelo, does your story sound much um, like Chris's or is it are yours any different? Did you have like a nine to five that you were trying to like transition out of? 
No, uh, I had a nine-to-five job. Uh, I was working as a consultant for a big uh, consultancy firm, and uh, uh, basically, uh, my wife said, "Well, you have all this knowledge, you have all these skills, and you can do so much better if you were your own boss, if you started for your own." And, and I said, well, yeah, but uh, what about customers? How do I get my first customer? How do I do this? And it was more like I was trying to find excuses uh, not to become uh, uh, self-employed rather than to be self-employed. And so my wife insisted, hey, um, listen, you have these two options. Either you will spend the rest of your life working for someone else, making someone else rich, hmm. or you make your own uh, richness and yeah uh, she basically gave me a kick in the butt and i started uh, registering my company and that's how it started cool and what was your transition like from that 95 to after you've registered your company did you register your company first and then just quit your job and just jump right into it or did you try to use chris's strategy of doing like four days uh, for somebody and then your own day on Friday or whatever? No, it was it was more like uh, I, I registered my uh, company uh, while I was still employed. Uh, so I was uh, already doing little things on the side uh, after hours. Uh, and then uh, uh, due to some financial reasons, uh, they had to let uh, people go. I ended up on the streets and yeah, Everyone's talking about that social uh, safety net here in Europe. Well, if you have a uh, company registered in your name, that uh, safety net is not uh, for you. So, uh, yeah, it was either uh, drown or yeah, start, get started with your business. So I started my business. So you're talking about the safety net um, a little bit, and I think that could kind of go in a couple of ways when we're talking about safety nets, um, for, especially for talking about first steps. It's kind of intimidating to make that first step when the unknown and um, do I quit my job right away and then what kind of protection do I need? I think the safety net can go in two ways, right? Like you can have like maybe make sure you have enough money to kind of keep you going and just to kick it off and also the legal aspect of like uh, protecting yourself legally. Um, so as far as the savings side, um, did either of you have um, savings set aside as you're transitioning into entrepreneurship? Or I know, Chris, um, you, since you're kind of like you had two feet in the water, you had like one kind of steady income stream and then your your entrepreneurship stuff on the side. Um, with Michelangelo, since you kind of went all in, did you did you have uh, savings? Yeah, well, yes and yes and no. I, I, I put some money on the side. Uh, like uh, that was basically for oh I'm going on a holiday or something like that. It wasn't prepared for, uh, yeah, having a reserve to cover a couple of months without uh, pay. Um, so when I ended up uh, uh, unemployed, um, the first thing I did was okay I'm unemployed so I have this uh, paper. I go to the uh, social uh, services and they register me and then they say oh you have to wait like uh, uh, six months uh, before uh, you can actually get uh, some money and I was like yeah but I mean I still have to eat I still have to uh, get uh, some food um, so I didn't want to wait uh, like uh, six months uh, so I I started 
looking around uh, where I could uh, be uh, of service as a contractor or as a consultant. And uh, yeah, basically uh, within three weeks I found something and, and that got me going and kept me going ever since until now. Nice. Uh, I, like I said, it was not like um, I was prepared for this. I, it was like, okay, uh, uh, you have to come into the uh, HR office and uh, yeah, that's the day that uh, you don't have to come back. Uh, <laughs> that's how it goes. And Right. Some people see it coming. Some uh, people didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. But yeah, apparently there were some uh, financial reasons. And, uh, okay, yeah, off you go. And um, yeah, having already thought about taking that step and, and actually being in that position that I had to take that step, um, that was like the perfect motivation for me to get it going. So yours, yours happened almost abruptly, like you, you were ready to it and then that was the kind of thing that really shot you out of the barrel. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, uh, a lot of people need that uh, gentle push. Uh, well, for me, it was not that gentle anymore, but uh, yeah, I got that push and it got me going. Now, at the time, you had already established your business kind of legally as a legal entity? Yes. Um, well, it's it's not like it's it's taking a lot of work. I mean, uh, you need to uh, register uh, uh, your company. You need get the, uh, you you fill out some papers. You get the official document that you're a legal entity, and and from that point on, uh, from that point that you are considered a legal entity, you can do business. And so I'm. Uh, so that's in the Netherlands, Belgium. In Belgium, uh, so is that um, is that when you register as a legal entity, does that give you like a tax number and all that kind of stuff? Yes. yes. Okay, so I guess it's kind of similar. Chris, did you have something um, in Canada the same way? Um, yeah, when I when I said to stop doing the the old job and start working with Rove, um, so I have my own. I, I used to have like a like a sole proprietorship that was running my um, my books and stuff through. Um, but the tax advantages weren't as good. So, so basically when I started with doing the stuff that I'm doing now, um, I have my own corporation. Um, and so everything that I do that's even remotely work related, um, gets run through the corporation. So, you know, I have a, there's a hold money aside so I can pay my taxes and running expenses through it. And, you know, the, basically the way that I work is, um, you know, the work that I do through Rove. I mean, I think the best way to explain Rove is kind of, it's a programmer's co-op more than anything. Rove finds clients, acts as the middleman. I bill Rove, Rove bills the client, Rove pays me, um, and then I pay all my bills uh, that way. So I do have legal protection. It's an actual incorporate. Grumpy Learning Incorporated is actually a thing. And um, uh, so th that's the thing that I, that I needed to do if I was going to run this thing correctly because I already had the kind of the side stream. So for me, it wasn't as abrupt as Mike was where, I mean, I didn't get let go um, you know, I, I made the jump from working for someone to working for my own company and then selling my services to other people. So it wasn't as jarring. I made sure it was one of these things where, um, you know, uh, as someone that has a, a wife and two kids, um, there is a, you know, I'm not very risk of, I'm not, I'm not willing to take a lot of risks uh, on that right. front. So I made sure that I had everything lined up before um, I switched. And that's kind of been how I've, I've done things as I've switched from position to position throughout the years. It was always um, 
don't go until you have the next thing lined up. So, I mean, clearly it's, it's probably cost me money and opportunities in the past by being not, not willing to just make an outright jump, but I think it's worked out in terms of like three other people I have to look after here, uh, happy and, and willing to go along with things when I propose something crazy. Right. Well, and it's interesting that to hear that like the three different are actually the, the two different sides, you know, for one from Canada uh, and one from Belgium um, of kind of starting the business aspect and then managing the legal aspect. Because for me on, on the on the state side, I had saved up a bunch of money just to actually travel. It wasn't to, to start a business. And uh, as I was traveling, a friend of mine was just sending me random projects and like, hey, can you, uh, you know, cut this website up and then like develop it out? And I was like, sure. And so after that happened, uh, like about um, three months in, I realized, man, I'm actually kind of making some money here. And I hadn't even thought about running my own business. But really, by the end of that year, um, I, it got time to pay taxes. I went to my tax guy and he's like, so you're running a business and you don't have a LLC set up and you don't have anything. And I was like, yeah, what, what are you talking about? So, um, so what is the re why should someone set up uh, some sort of official business versus just kind of doing it under um, just taking in money and then paying taxes on it um, when they pay taxes at the end of the year? Well, well, let's look at the financial uh, uh, consequences. I mean, uh, your business gets uh, a uh, gets taxed, and and you need to pay taxes, but it's uh, far less than when you do it on your own person. It's your personal income, and that will be added to your personal income, and you will pay like a. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, exaggerate, but yeah, it can can be up to uh, 40, 45 percent uh, taxes that you pay. Especially if you do it on the site. Uh, uh, when I was uh, still employed, uh, the money I was making uh, on the site was, yeah, uh, taxed at sixty percent. So you you don't want to have that kind of thing. You you want to incorporate, so you pay corporate taxes, and those corporate taxes are far more reasonable than than normal taxes, the personal taxes. Yeah, I mean, I have the same thing here. My accountant, when I set the corporation up, was explaining basically strategies for me. It's like, you know, uh, you know, here right now, I believe corporate uh, income is taxed um, after all expenses at 18%. And my personal tax bracket is like 42 or 43%. So from a financial standpoint, it makes sense to have the corporation pay as much of the taxes as possible and then pay myself as little as possible while keeping, you know, the standard yeah. of living gotten accustomed to. So, you know, I'm able to do things like run so many expenses to the company, my phone, the internet. If I want to buy a, um, buy a new laptop, the company's going to pay for it. All these, it's really in the end, it's all about keeping as much of the money that you're making as possible. I mean, you know, both Mike and I live in, in countries where taxation rate is quite high. So, you know, it's nice for me that I can do little tricks like pay myself money by taking money out as a shareholder. And then when my fiscal year is up, which is at the end of July, um, then when I look at that, I can just say, well, I owe this much in tax and the corporation can give me the money to pay those taxes. So I've been taking money out, but at a rate much lower than I was taking out when I was actually, you know, employed for somebody else. So again, more money sticks around in my pocket, more money sticks around for the company. So I, I tell, I would recommend to anybody who is wanting to like freelance and work for themselves, you need to get that company set up. Just to me, it's also in case anything goes wrong, 
if you've structured things properly, you just literally hand the company over to your creditors and say, well, here's everything that the company owns. Best of luck collecting on everything. And I suppose like I would much rather lose my laptop to a creditor than lose my house. So, right. Yeah, kind of fair. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's also about liability. Uh, your corporate, uh, your corporation is a uh, legal entity and therefore uh, the liability is on them. Uh, unless you you really are a uh, douchebag and you screw things up uh, so badly that they can actually find uh, uh, you to be the cause of the, the whole failure and then they will come after you personally. But um, for most of the cases, uh, because of uh, cash flow problems with your customers, you don't get paid in time and you are not able to pay your bills and those kind of things. Uh, I've seen companies go down. Uh, not because they were bad and that they had bad management, but because of all, uh, yeah the the the, the customer uh, chain of things, and yeah, if you have to lose everything that you own, like your house, your 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 car, your everything, you are bankrupt as a person. Now you you can go bankrupt as a company, but you as a person remain. Right, and I think that was the biggest incentive. Uh that was explained to me to set up an LLC in the States here was that, you know, if you develop this big enterprise system for a big company and something goes wrong and they lose millions of dollars, um, if you have an LLC, they can, you know, go after you legally on your LLC. They can take all the assets that your LLC has, but they can't take your house. They can't take your car. They can't take anything that you own personally. Um, so that's, that's one of the biggest, um, incentives for me to set up my LLC, but also the tax breaks and everything. So it just seems like a good idea in general. Plus, not to mention, I guess you get um, you get us up a, an official business banking account, right? If you're official and you get more more incentives or, or more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, you, you get you get like to uh, taste the, 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 the premium stuff. Uh, uh, it's not just with banking. Uh, you get also the insurance. You get uh, a whole bunch of, uh, yeah, extras that as a normal person you don't get what's the difference between you uh, being a normal person and you being an entrepreneur as an entrepreneur they expect you to be, uh, be profitable and therefore they're willing to give you a lot more than when you have a nine-to-five job that's the bottom line absolutely nicholas witter on twitter uh twitter <laughs> Asked, did anyone on the panel start with paying an accountant directly or handling the money stuff with your all by yourself? Uh, oh yeah, Chris, go ahead. So I'll go. So I mean, I so back when I had the sole proprietorship, I handled all the money stuff myself. I did keep really close track of money that came in and money that came out. Um, and then when it came time to do get my corporation all set up, I approached my accountant um, and uh, they set everything up for me and I cut them a check. And then, you know, I had a meeting with with the accountants to, to, to go over like they said, this is what we want you to do. Keep track of these things. When you take money out of the corporation, use these strategies, you know, also things like, you know, don't forget to pay your spouse some money. Sometimes don't forget to pay your children who are old enough to work. Um, I mean, these are all little things like, you know, my daughter was able to go on a, she just got back from a, a 10 day uh, Mediterranean cruise um, funded by my company because she's going to do some work for me this summer. So I just wrote down, I gave her a bunch of money as an advance on working for me and boom, 
she's able to go on a nice cruise. So um, I, I do talk to my accountant at least once a month. Um, anytime I have a question about some something I want to do, um, I always make sure I speak with them um, because I, you know I don't want basically I don't want to do anything that's going to trigger an audit or do anything that's likely to get suffer make me suffer a large tax penalty. So um, I highly recommend finding an accountant that you can actually speak to and that you like um, because that makes doing these things um, so much easier. It also means you know when I have a problem I do I do get pretty prompt response. I mean Mike is right. Once you're running your own business. There's a whole bunch of other options that get open to you and financial institutions and accountants are more than happy um, to help you because they know either you'll be running lots of money through their bank or you'll be you'll be cutting them a nice fat check once a year to handle all your handle your corporate tax return. Do you, do you have uh, an accountant on your end, Michelangelo? Yeah, um, when I started off, uh, because I'm a graduated accountant, that's the fun part. I, ah. I graduated as an accountant and, and I did it for about a month and I was already so sick and tired of it uh, that I was looking for something else, like being a developer. Um, when I started my business, I said, well, I know all these things and um, I will do and the, 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 the book, uh, bookkeeping and all that. Uh, guess what? I've learned everything at school. I know how to uh, to balance the sheets, but there's so much more that goes on. A lot of things that you have no clue about. The 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 rules have changed. Uh, um, legal stuff uh, that you have to take into consideration. Uh, new restrictions. I mean, here in Europe, uh, every year there seems to be another restriction on uh, how you have to pay your VAT uh, and, and those kind of things. Uh, it is very, very, very difficult uh, to keep track of this. Having an accountant, his sole job is to know about these things. Just like you, me, Chris, we all know PHP. We know it inside out. Why? Because it's our job. We have to know this. An accountant, their business is accountancy, and they know everything there is to know about accountancy. They know what kind of regulations there are. They know what kind of uh, 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 ways there are to um, pay less uh, taxes and keep uh, some more money for your company. Uh, they know how to shift money around. So. On, on paper, it looks really good if you want to talk to investors or uh, it looks worse when you have to talk uh, to uh, to banks or those kind of things. I mean, it, it has all these kinds of uh, advantages and those are the things that you and me uh, cannot do. Um, even if you have a degree in accountancy, um, because you spend so much time working with, with everything that's not uh, accountancy related, you don't have time to keep up tr on track with what's going on and that you need to know for doing your accountancy. So if you do it and you're an entrepreneur, I mean, that's awesome. Uh, but uh, I, I just pay, them, uh, uh, pay some money and get a good accountant and uh, they will make sure that uh, you will make more money than you have to pay them. And the balance is really, really small amount for them and a big amount for you. 
Yeah, I, I, I do the same thing. I think it's great to just have somebody who has that as an expertise. Just take all your expenses at the end of the year, just dump it on them and be like, figure it out for me, please. And, you know, they're happy to do it because that's what they do for a living. Lee Davis on Twitter was wondering if Grumpy Programmer's accountant um, is his cat. <laughs> no, I don't think it well, is. Actually, I do. <coughs> no, it's not. I have a account I've been using. I've been using him. I think uh, 70 years at least, um, and I picked a good one because he used to work for um, Revenue Canada's fraud division, so he knows all the loopholes and all the tricks, nice. all the stuff uh, that I need to avoid doing. So, no, he's not my, – my accountant is not my cat. I mean, to, to <laughs> circle back on what I do – basically what I do is I track all my money coming in and all the payments that I do, and then when my year end is up in a couple of weeks – when I come back from vacation, I'm going to hand my ledger, uh, just a spreadsheet tracking things in and out. I'm going to hand that to my account and say, the rest is up to you. And then they'll do my return and they'll figure out how much tax my corporation has to pay, how much tax I'm going to have to pay. And, you know, then we just go from there. So you, you pay once a year then your taxes? Yeah. Um, do you have a special strategy on um, making sure that you have enough money to, to pay the taxes at the end of the year? Um, I can only speak for me. My accountant just said basically I can keep that money sitting in my um, – I just keep it sitting in my corporate account, and then when we do my taxes, the corporation will give me the money to pay my taxes. Um, I, I could yank it all out and keep it aside, but uh, he said it did – my accountant said it didn't really matter where that money is. They're like just make sure you have through one of your sources enough money um, to pay your taxes at the end of the year. So, um, I mean if people do want to get tricky, you can do things like – I know here in Canada they have a certain type of certain type of tax-free investment savings accounts that can so you can throw you could th throw some money in there every time you take money out um, and earn a little bit of interest on the money while you wait. But for me, my accountant just said just make sure the corporation has enough money to pay its taxes and your taxes, and we can worry about the rest. Gotcha, Michelangelo. Do you pay once a year? No. No. Um... Our system is based on uh, we uh, pay in advance on our taxes. So um, at the beginning of the year, uh, they will make an estimation. Well, my account makes an estimation. I will make this amount of money. And uh, based on that uh, profits, they can also measure my uh, taxes. And I pay a uh, monthly amount uh, that is actually provisioning the taxes and at the end of the year they will make a, a balance will I have uh, to pay a little bit extra or do I have to uh, uh, get some money in return um, and that's all calculated in the end of the year. The big beauty is is well you, you don't have to uh, cough up a huge sum of money uh, all of a sudden uh, uh, the downside is, yes, you will have to pay on a monthly basis uh, a little bit of money to, to the government. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, for us, it's, uh, it is, uh, uh, we, we prepay our taxes, we prepay our uh, social benefits, uh, we prepay our uh, insurances. So, yeah, at the end of the year. We, we get a, a, a balance check and, and then we either pay an addition or we get some uh, money back. That's simple. Cool. 
it's a little different here in the states it's i guess it's a little bit more like in the canada the canada realm but it's uh for me i i pay once a year and interestingly enough a tip from my dad um, he said that anytime you get some invo- uh, some income, just take 35% of it and throw it into a bank account and then don't touch it till the end of the year. So I actually have a business savings account. So every invoice that comes in, I just scrape off 35% and stick it in there. And then at the end of the year, um, when I pay my taxes, it's never going to be that much. But I, I just pay, write the check out of that account and then take whatever's left and just put it in my savings, my personal savings. So it's like a, a nice way to just kind of make sure that every year I don't get <laughs> be like, oops, don't have money for taxes. Question, kind of a tight place. <laughs> and the question, do you have to pay uh, taxes on uh, the money you uh, take out of uh, the company? Because isn't that considered like a dividend or something? Yes. Yeah. Um, there, yeah, there's t- my, 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 this is what my accountant does for me. So I don't actually do all that stuff, but yeah, he, he, he runs all that. But um, something related to that was actually um, taxes on the income because that's done a little bit differently here in the States as well. Um, that when you pay yourself. So I'm curious, um, Chris and Canada, how do you pay yourself? Do you just like write a check for yourself and then just keep track of it, or how does that work? Yeah, I just take out. I mean, the, the way that the way that I, I do it is the money comes out of it's. What I don't I don't have like a regular payroll setup, so the company's not paying me on a regular basis. As the as the sole shareholder in the company, anytime I take money out, I do it uh, for that's for me personally. Um, I do it as a shareholder draw. It's a slightly different category. Doing it that way is the thing that allows me to have also the company hold on to the money for me for tax purposes. So that when I do my own personal income, I see as the shareholder, I withdrew this amount of money out. It's taxed as income. Uh, then the corporation can pay my taxes for me. So that's kind of a nice thing. Um, I, me, my, my, my accountant said to me, because I don't have multiple full-time employees, it wasn't worth the hassle of setting up a kind of a payroll structure and paying myself a regular amount. It's just like basically when you need to take money out, just take money out, indicate it as shareholder draw, and that way um, you avoid a whole you avoid a whole set of other problems that come with having full time employees. Because then there's Canada, then there's pension and and, and health health. Uh, there's like a um, health benefits. Like a, yeah. Um. There's there's money that you have to pay in taxes. All those things are avoided. Um, with the shareholder stuff. So, um, like I said, I just do what my accountant tells me, and and everything will work out okay in the end. Yes, yes, that's cool. I shareholder draw sounds really withdraw. That sounds really cool. Do you do the same strategy, Michelangelo, with the shareholder thing? No. How do you pay uh, yourself? Well, uh, me and my wife, uh, we uh, are uh, the the business owners, and uh, uh, well, we we consider ourselves to be employees of the of the business. Uh, we pay ourselves a monthly uh, income. We have our uh, uh, monthly uh, declaration of uh, expenses, uh, and uh, for tax purposes, we keep our money to the bare minimum uh, to have a comfortable life and uh, to be able to do things, but the rest of the money stays in, inside the company. Um, uh, we do pay uh, for uh, a pension uh, plan. We uh, pay for insurances, uh, basically because uh, yeah, it's by law that we need to provision this. Right. So it's not like we have a choice in this. Um, um, maybe if I would address myself as a shareholder and pay myself a dividend, I pay a. Um, fairly huge amount of uh, taxes on that dividend and and maybe that would be it 
but um, I'm not sure how it's going to be uh, considered uh, tax-wise. And uh, my accountant advised me, hey, just go with this and, and you will be fine. You will uh, make sure that uh, by the end uh, that uh, you can go on retirement and you can actually uh, have a nice pension and all that. Uh, not that I'm thinking about uh, retirement at this point, but yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting because the States is, uh, I know there's just little discrepancies, you know, cross country, but um, my my accountant um, recommended to me actually getting a payroll company because um, my, my company is called Sammy K Media, but I'm my I'm the only person working for Sammy K Media um, as an employee. So I'm actually an employee of Sammy K Media, and uh, my payroll company actually runs payroll every um, every month for me. And they take out all the taxes that are needed each month and all that stuff. And at the end of the year, that that I get like a, a refund check um, for anything that I get back. So it, it's it's very similar to kind of working with um, like any other company, um, but it's all self-employed, which is kind of nice. To um, The form is called a WT form so um, in the States, so that it's kind of like proof of employment. It shows you what you made and all that stuff. Um, and it's kind of nice to hand a potential renter a, a W-2 and say like, here's here's my employment. Just uh, It's a little bit, I feel like it's easier to kind of prove like, yeah, I'm a steady person versus like, hey, I'm just self-employed. I get random projects every once in a while. So Chris, like how would you prove to like a, a potential, I, I, you might own your house or, or whatever, but like if you're wanting to rent something, you need to prove like that you're, you've got like a stable income. How do you do that as a self-employed person without um, kind of like a, a proof of employment? Well, I, I don't think you could. I mean, in my case, my circumstances are a little bit different. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm a homeowner and, you know, uh, my wife has a, has a, a regular day job. She is not an employee of Grumpy Learning. So, I mean, in our case, you know, all this stuff that I do in my side things would basically give us freedom so that um, my wife, uh, my wife's entire paycheck goes to paying our mortgage, doubling down so we can so we can get this place paid off. But I imagine if I ever did need to like um, uh, did need to like rent another property or something, yeah, I'd probably be in trouble um, because uh, I would just have self-employment um, that I work for myself. I mean, I tend not to worry about that because that's like it's not an issue I need to face. I mean, uh, I mean, our ultimate plan is to pay this house off as quickly as possible. And we're about four to four and a half years away from doing that. And then once that's done, then, you know, we can sell this place and move someplace where it's a little bit cheaper to live or whatever. And, you know, we'll be able to get a pretty good deal because I'd be like, yeah, I'll buy your house and I'll pay cash. There'll be no mortgage involved or anything. So once we sell this place, all it's all money in our pocket. So nice. um, I imagine, you know, if that for some people who aren't in the same situation as me, that, you know, running your own company and having you as an employee of that company um, does have benefits. Like I said, I just don't worry about it because it's not an issue. At this point in time, it's not an issue for me. I mean, we're not moving until this house is sold anyway. So, um, uh, you know, I tend to pay cash for things when I can. So I, I don't I don't really worry about it. I just don't worry about it because it's not an issue for me. Yeah. yeah Michelangelo, you're shaking your head. It's not an issue for you either? Or? Uh, I mean, um uh, I, I remember when I was renting a, 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 a small apartment, yes, the, you need to be able to pay uh, three months of um, uh, rent uh, as a down payment. You need to be uh, able to prove that you have a steady income. Uh, if you have a good relationship with your accountants, that is uh, solvable. I mean, it's paperwork, basically. That, if people are blind by paper, we give them enough paper that they will be oversatisfied. <laughs> you know? 
so I, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Uh, when running your own business, um, the first thing that you have to take into consideration is how do you want to uh, run this business? Do you run it as being an extension of your personal self or you want to run it as a corporation? When you will run it as a corporation, when you ha are being an employee of the company, it gives you a lot of benefits uh, because, yeah, you can extend because you already have a payroll system in place. You can extend to one, two, three, four, ten, twenty, fifty people because it's already there. If you don't have that kind of system, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more challenging if you want to hire some other people. In the other case, I, I don't hire people. I work with uh, other consultants, other freelancers, um, and, and that's, that's uh, as good as it gets. I mean, that's what uh, Chris is doing with Rove as well. I mean, it's like a co-hub uh, or something like that. Uh, we work uh, together on project, but everyone is an individual entrepreneur. And that works for me, that works for Chris, and I think a whole bunch of other people. But again, this is what you want to achieve with your business. Right. Well, one more thing on this kind of legal and accounting aspect that I wanted to touch just before you kind of change gears a little bit. To um, We're already kind of going pretty far on time already. But um, when you guys set up your uh, legal entities, did you were you confused by like all these legal forms I have to fill out, or did you use a service to kind of set that up for you? I guess my you, oh yeah, yeah uh, Chris. Uh, my accountant did it for me. I just said here's the, they basically said okay we can set up the the uh, you know the the incorporated company for you. Give us a couple of uh, names for the corporation in case there's conflicts. Not that anyone would have else would have taken Grumpy Learning, but you never know. <laughs> and uh, uh, I just gave them a list, and they said yep you got your first choice. So they registered it. Um, and they gave me some uh, some paperwork to sign um, to deal with uh, goods and services taxes that we have to collect on Canadian income, um, and that was it. So um, for me, it was worth cutting a check uh, to get it done. I just I forget how much it was, but I didn't I I looked at that money and said how much of my own time and sanity would it cost me to do this on my own? I said I would much rather I'm okay. As I get older, I get more and more okay with cutting people checks to do things that they want to. Yes. <laughs> it was like I am happy to pick my accountant to set up my corporation for me um, and also to provide, you know, just to tell me what it is I need to do to maximize uh, keeping as much money in my pocket as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, same story here. I mean, uh, I was uh, self-employed without a... A legal entity connected to it and um, yeah my accountant says okay well this is the deal uh, either you go incorporate it and you will get all the benefits or you uh, will remain this and you will be a very good supplier of finances to the state um, so he offered me a couple of choices he says well we go with this we go with that uh, these are the benefits these are uh, you know, the, 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 the cons and um, I would advise you to take one of these uh, kind of entities uh, and I prefer to have this one. And he provided me with good arguments why and why not. And I said, well, okay, go. 
and and we registered and and then yeah two days later it was like done nice so it sounds like really the one of those first steps you can do when you want to create your own business is just find a really good accountant somebody that you like somebody that you can have maintain a long ongoing relationship with and just invest in that person financially <laughs> let me put it this way uh, the relationship with your accountant must be uh, as good or even better than with your spouse <laughs> no i'm serious yeah because your accountant he will remain even when you get divorced so uh no i mean it's true right chris uh, the account, the accountant is there, uh, and and they will be serving your business uh, for mostly the lifespan of that business, uh, their services. Um, don't go for uh, the the cheapest one you can find in the uh, the phone book, but go for uh, a, a yeah a, a, an accountancy agency. Uh, preferably that has a good reputation. You can ask uh, other entrepreneurs in your area there are like uh, these uh, coffee nights or uh, uh, entrepreneur nights that you can go to meetups and ask around uh, what and listen to what the people have to say about their accounts and and and, and yeah as follow their advices yeah i think i can just add one more thing to mike's talk about the account i think it's also important that you um you find an accountant that that uh, is willing to create a plan with you. Where I mean, I know that my accountant, when I started doing this stuff, was like, okay, what is it you want to get out of the, the company? What is it that you're trying to do? And then everything, every decision, everything that they do for you is part of the goal of uh, making sure that every transaction, every legal thing that you do, everything that you're doing is is it's always aligned to the same goal. In my case, it was that you know the goal is I wanted to do this work and provide myself with, with as much flexibility as I can to, to move money in and out because of several uh, income streams and just making sure that they understood the implications. Also, I have the added bonus of dealing both in US dollars, uh, freedom dollars as I call them, and Canadian dollars. So, so my accountant is also very much helping me work on strategies to maximize exchange rates and, and things like that because it's, um, you know, my wife every day takes a look at what the current exchange rate with the U.S. and Canadian dollar, and she pumps her fist when the Canadian dollar goes down in value compared to the U.S. dollar because it just means I make money. Uh, I'm not sure if if you approach it the same way, but uh, I have a uh, euro uh, account and a dollar account on the same uh, bank account uh, number, so uh, I can uh, get uh, collect uh, dollars on my accounts. I can collect euros on my accounts. Uh, so I don't have to worry about exchange rates. Uh, transactions uh, I will do in dollars, I will take out of my dollar accounts, and, and, and transactions in euro I will take from my euro accounts. I have, I have the same thing. I have two accounts, one that's U.S. dollar and one that's Canadian. And, and as one of the benefits of having a business account is that I get the um, I get the best rate that they can offer me on the volume that I need to do. It's not like I'm transferring millions of dollars over, but again, it's a nice little benefit of, of taking money out in U.S. dollars and seeing, oh, that's nice. I just got $600 more Canadian out of this transaction. It's nice. Yes. Lee Davis on Twitter just asked um, a, a specific question that applies to the UK about withdrawing money. And um, I, I don't know um, 
I'm going to have to skip that one. Sorry, Lee, just because of uh, time. And I think it's more of a legal question, but um, if I understand correctly, but also Nicholas Witter asks uh, Michelangelo about advice on when to kind of, when to start as a corporation, like taking a big leap and just like, okay, I'm, I'm an official entity and I'm working as this entity versus just kind of like dabbling in like casual freelance and not really sure if you're going to make that jump. Um, well, let's uh, start with that last uh, question. Uh, if you uh, are working already as a freelancer and, and, and don't have a legal entity, um, you will notice uh, that uh, all of a sudden um, your tax rates will go up. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same in the States or in Canada, but in Europe we have a Staffold kind of approach. So you pay the first uh, 125K uh, 25% and everything above the 125k uh, up until 250k uh, you pay uh, 35% and so on and so on and so on. So uh, the moment that you notice that you will earn more money, so you will end up in a higher level of tax uh, percentages, then uh, yeah, that will be the perfect time to consider you know, starting your own business because uh, again. The, the, the tax rate for businesses is a lot less than for, for uh, yeah, individuals. So throughout um, the past couple of years, as I was working for myself, um, it's been really rewarding. And I've spent a number of kind of drunk, drunken conversations with some of my friends just saying, man, you should quit your job. You should do your own thing. It's amazing. And of those drunken conversations, at, uh, four, maybe even five of my friends have come to me uh, like a month or two later and said, OK, I quit my job. I'm doing my thing, and I'm like, um, you probably shouldn't have taken my advice while I was drunk, but uh, yeah, that's, that's great, great, that's awesome. Um, but one of the concerns that usually comes up in those drunken conversations, as we kind of wrap it up, it's kind of getting closer to uh, the one-hour mark, but um, uh, one of the recurring questions is, how do I get clients, and then how do I make sure that the client work is, keeps coming in and dealing with the ebb and flow of invoicing and stuff? So, Chris, do you have any strategies for or trepidations when you first started getting into this of like, oh, I got to get a client. How do I get a client? Like, do you even know where to start kind of thing? Or what's your strategy? Well, because, I mean, the thing is I don't really do freelance consulting, right? It was one of these things where, uh, you know, I wanted to make my own job. So it's like I want to work four days a week. So I had to find someone that was going to let me work four days a week, um, you know. So in my case, it was, okay, let's make sure that I secure, uh, find someone that's going to hire me. And Rove looked like just a good fit because I could run, because I, I already had this money coming in on the side and I wanted to move away from the sole proprietorship to a corporation for all the things that we've been talking about, all the tax implications, the benefits, the idea that almost everything that I do, I can run through the corporation. Anything tangentially related to my job, um, to the work that I do, is now can be paid for by the corporation instead of me. Um, so in my case, like, I didn't make the leap until I knew uh, that I had a client lined up. But I think... The important thing is people need to understand that people hate marketing. I hear all the time, I suck at the business side of things. When I hear people say that, what it really means is I suck at understanding what other people want. So, I mean, so many people, uh, I have this, uh, people do it backwards, right? They're like, I have this idea uh, and I hope to make money from it. It should be like, I know there's money to be made off this idea, so I'm going to go and do it. It's got people, I think people, you have to kind of look at yourself that way. You're like you're marketing yourself. You're selling. You're selling yourself, and you have to kind of understand. It's like it's a combination of like self-awareness and empathy. It's like you have to understand. Not everyone is like you. 
Not everyone cares about the things that you care about. So what you're trying to do is convince people to care about the same things that you do. So, I mean, for me, if I were to switch doing to the consulting stuff, it'd be like, well, what is it that I want to do? It's like, okay, I want to do training. I want to, uh, you know, it's a training site. I want training and best practices. So it's like, well, you have to convince people. You have to look at your skills and say, how do I go about convincing people that I know what I'm talking about? I mean, I think it's pretty clear, and this is my ego talking, that I do know what I'm talking about. So for me, it's not that hard to form a message that people can understand, to tell people, these are all the things that I've done. These are all the things that I know, and this is how I'm going to help you. So it's, it's really, for many people, it's just, a, it's just really, it's a marketing problem. People haven't gotten over themselves. They haven't gotten over this block that somehow sales is bad, marketing is bad, and money is bad. And I'm here to tell you that sales is easy. You can teach yourself how to market, and money is good. Having money frees me up to do other things, but I don't have to spend my week working for other people. I don't have to spend my evenings working for other people. I work for me doing things that I find interesting, and I am certainly not unique in having been able to figure this out. So many people are so reluctant to talk about how to sell themselves, how to market themselves, and certainly, I don't know, it's mainly, it's very much a North American type thing where people don't want to talk about money. And I have always tried to be very, very transparent about what I do because I believe I, there is nothing for me to gain by lying about what I do and showing other people, if I can figure this out, um, other people can definitely figure this out. It's not that hard. People think it's somehow mysterious. Like, I'm here to tell them no. It is not. You work hard, you learn things, you share your knowledge, and you learn how to sell yourself. Just market, marketing is not a, it's, marketing has a lot more than four letters in it. It's, it's not a bad word. True. And if you're listening to the audio version of this and you, you didn't get to see the emphasis that Chris was using with his fingers right in the camera, and it really emphasizes his points really well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Um, Michelangelo, what do you? What are your strategies? Do you, you? You seem to be resonating a little bit with Chris there about selling yourself and and, and marketing yourself. Well, the reason why you want to uh, go independent is is that you have a skill, and it's not just uh, a skill that everyone else has. No, it's a skill where you excel at, and you are an expert at a particular niche. You are an expert uh, at a particular skill. Uh, you might have multiple skills, um, but you are that one, two person people have to go to. And yeah, just be the best you can be at it. Um, um, Chris says, oh, you need to uh, market yourself. You need to uh, promote yourself. Yes, you need to do all that. But if you uh, uh, yeah, prove uh, by the stuff that you already have done, uh, you don't actually have to search for customers. The customers will get to you. I mean, I've uh, said this uh, to Chris uh, uh, a while back. Uh, I, I think we were t uh, walking in Chicago back then. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't. I don't look for customers. Uh, I, I get uh, recommendations uh, for, through other people. Uh, I mean, yesterday. Scoop uh, says, okay, if you have some questions about uh, Fabricator, get a personal Skype tour of an existing install by Dragon BE. I do these kind of things. Uh, it's not, oh, let's talk about this. I just take that first step and I will actually make something happen. And it's because I make things happen that, yeah, people refer to me as, uh, you want to get things done? Go to this guy. And Excellent. 
and that's that's exactly what what uh, what I've been doing for yeah the the past uh, nine years. Word of mouth is definitely one of the best types of marketing, and and it's and it's you know, effortless on your part. So you don't have to do anything because people are just talking about you. So I'm curious because this came up in the business of PHP uh, episode, and I think it's a really important one to kind of at least touch on how important is customer service to word of mouth and 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 marketing yourself and making sure you're getting recurring income and new clients. Well, customer service is customer service. Uh, you can uh, consider customer service as okay. This is a problem. I will solve this for you, and and that's that's it. Uh, but being an entrepreneur means that you uh, you want to give something from uh, a, a little bit extra. Um, if so, customer service, in my opinion, is uh, beyond expectations. Mm. People expect a certain level of uh, service. I give them more because. That's why my business is my business. I want to provide that quality. I want to give people that, uh, yeah, that feeling of they're unique, they're special, and I care for them. And if you have that in, um, yeah, in your DNA of your business, um, it it automatically comes without uh, saying. Uh, people will love working with you. And they will keep on working with you. Uh, so it's not just a, a one-time thing. No, it will be like recurring business. And, and they will bring more customers to you. Chris, do you have any thoughts on customer service on your side? Um, I mean, I agree uh, with pretty much everything Michelangelo said. I mean, for many, for people who are working for themselves, their reputation is everything. And if you get a reputation as being sketchy, well, you can count on only dealing with sketchy clients. Um, in, in my case, because I'm, because I'm producing content for the most part as my side thing. I mean, I mean, four days a week I'm, I'm working um, for a client and that's pretty much like a straight up relationship of doing work for somebody. But in terms of like my own stuff that I do, um, you, know, you know, you commit to try to produce something that's quality and when it's not good, you have to admit that it's not good. And if people have questions, it, it is pretty easy just to ignore requests and when people email you to complain about things. But in, in, in many cases, you know, as, as Mike said, you know, you're trying to exceed expectations. I mean, many times people have emailed me questions about, about the book or they want to do this or they want to do that. And many times, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm totally okay with dealing with this problem and, and exceeding. I mean, I've given away lots of books to people who've been asking about things they want. Uh, a very common thing was like, you know, they're, they're in an area where you know, they're in a country where, uh, you know, credit cards aren't available and, and PayPal doesn't deal with them very nice. I mean, they want they want my book. So many times, you know, the books are videos. I've just sent them to them and said, well, if you want this so bad here, have a copy. Um, you just, I mean, I know in many cases this kind of runs contrary to the image I've built up of myself as a grumpy person. But, um, you know, I tell people if I was the way that I pretend to be on Twitter all the time, I just, I just couldn't have a business because people <laughs> want to deal with me. So... Um, you know, customer service is basically anyone that's, you know, anyone that wants to give you some money or has given you some money deserves to be treated with, with a certain level of respect. Clearly there are some customers and clients where you just go, okay, we're just done here. Sorry, it didn't work out, but I, I can't do anything more for you. Or in some cases, uh, you know, you may actually just give them their money back and say, here's your money back. I'm sorry, it didn't work out. Um, but you know, as I do, I have found the easiest way to deal with questions is just you answer them promptly and you take a look at this and decide, you know, you do have to look at it and say, is this a legitimate concern or is this just a person griping about something? But most of the time when people email me about stuff, 
I, I consider their concerns valid and I answer emails like that personally and explain things to them and and you know my job is to try to give them a satisfactory uh, answer you know I mean it, it matters if, if you have poor customer service then we're just gonna get around and when there's a problem uh, no one's gonna be willing to cut you any slack yeah it's fun. Good words, good words. Um, real quick, um, as we start to wrap it up, um, I do have a final question, but this one real quick, because uh, you mentioned, Chris, um, about um, if they, there was trouble with running credit cards or paying through PayPal or whatever. How do you um, collect money from your clients? Because um, there's the credit card option, which can be expensive, right? Um, the, the credit card companies like to take a big chunk off of that. Oh, so how do I collect money? So the the stuff I, I get through a variety of sources. It's uh, for my current, you know, the stuff that I do with Rove, I get paid via um, uh, via bank transfer, so I don't really have to worry about that too much. And the rest of my income all comes in via PayPal. I mean, PayPal, for all the hatred that people have of PayPal, I have noticed that as long as you have a business account with PayPal, um, and I have an old, ancient, um, this is not lying, this is like a 15-year-old PayPal account. I got into it very, very early. I'm grandfathered in as like the highest platinum business level you can possibly get. Yeah. So never have any problems. I noticed that people, all the sketchiness with PayPal happens with people with personal um, PayPal accounts. So I get paid either, either the money goes right into my bank or it goes right into my PayPal account. And I set things up that way because I, because you're right. I mean, collecting money via credit cards and stuff can be difficult. I know there's things like, stripe and and we pay and there's other payment options but i mean i know people love to hate paypal but all i can say is in all the years that i have run money through paypal and it is a non-trivial amount of money that i've run through the all my side stuff i've never had paypal hold on to money or be sketchy about anything so um the sketchiness always happens when you haven't set up things properly it's it, it'll be the same thing when the tax man comes and says oh you i see you're pretending to be a company but you don't actually have a company set up. Here's a nice tax bill for you with penalties on top of it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to uh, have. <laughs> like, PayPal has been fine for me, and uh, you know when Rove pays all my invoices, uh, they pay extremely promptly, and it's through a bank transfer, and the money just shows up on my account, and my wife is happy. Another incentive to uh, make a legal entity, you get a pay business PayPal account and get uh, a lot of the benefits from that for sure. And Michelangelo, do you have the same setup, just accepting through PayPal and, and checks and things and big transfers? Well, um, over here uh, uh, in Europe, a lot of occurs uh, through uh, uh, bank transfers. So uh, it goes for, uh, uh, from their bank account to my bank account. Uh, I'm using FreshBooks for my invoicing. So that's a Canadian company. Um, uh, they have uh, PayPal and, 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 and Stripe uh, built-in and other payments at uh, gateways. Uh, um, uh, for all the, the invoices that I made, um, maybe one, maybe 2% was paid uh, with credit cards. Um, I do get a couple of uh, payments uh, in, in, in Bitcoin. Uh, hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's it's, it's over here in Europe. We consider it more like a, a common currency kind of thing than oh, it's a it's a, a cryptocurrency and all that. It's just a commodity to transfer funds around. Uh, we uh, can convert it immediately uh, on that uh, specific uh, rate uh, into our bank accounts. So it's actually real money ending up in your bank account. 
Um, so um, yeah, you might win maybe a few cents uh, or you lose a few cents. It's 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 neglectable. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the the only profits that I see is uh, uh, if you have uh, a option in your invoicing that people can pay online. Um, it is a benefit for those people that uh, don't uh, internationally. Um, yeah, bank transfers are very expensive uh, in those cases. Um, so having an option uh, for people to pay uh, through credit card or Bitcoin or whatever uh, or PayPal, yes, that's that's a definite plus. Uh, give people the option and they will choose what they want to use uh, in the end anyway. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned FreshBooks.com for your is what you use for your invoicing. I did have a whole topic in the show notes to talk about invoicing and stuff like that, but we just kind of ran out of time, unfortunately. No, I use I, I use FreshBooks as well. Oh, really? Oh, nice. That's cool. Um, yeah, they've been great. I've been using them for years. Um, but uh, oh, you too. Okay, so that's three out of three. <laughs> Um, bef uh, before we officially wrap it up with the developer shout out, uh, I, I'll start with you, with you, Michelangelo. Do you have any final thoughts on if someone were just to think, okay, I want to quit my job and start my own business? Is there anything that you ran into kind of while you were developing your business that you're like, man, I wish somebody would have told me this beforehand because it would have made it a lot easier? Um, off the top of your head, can you think of anything? Uh, uh, well, it, uh, they never prepare me to be so much fun. It's, I mean, you're, you're the boss. Uh, you decide uh, whether or not you take on this job. You decide whether or not you go on this uh, an, um, adventure with a customer. Uh, sometimes it's uh, a wonderful experience. Sometimes it's uh, less uh, wonderful. Uh, but uh, it all depends on your personal nature uh, in how you deal with these kind of things. Um, the only thing that I wasn't prepared for was uh, the amount of uh, spam you get and all of the kinds of friends that you never heard of. Uh, people want to uh, work with you or uh, are asking you uh, just give me some work. Like, yeah, I have a bag full of work here for you. It doesn't work that way. Uh, if you uh, uh, if you uh, are a little bit sensitive for these kind of things, um, uh, I mean, we have filters in our email clients. We can filter that out. Uh, that That is, in my opinion, yeah, the worst thing that uh, I wasn't prepared for. Yeah, I get, I get a lot of spam, too, from just random people and they're like, hey, we should be business co-owners. And you're like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny that you get those too. Uh, Chris, what about you? Is there any advice that you wish someone had kind of given you as you started that venture? Um, I mean, I don't think so because, I mean, for me personally, I approached this very, um, i trying to think of the correct phrase, tactically when I was doing these things. Like I've mentioned before, I, uh, I'm a strong believer in like I shouldn't be – expending time and effort on things that I don't know ahead of time are going to make money. So this is the problem that a lot of people have when they decide to quit their job and go the go their freelance route is like they just quit their job and then they're like, well, then what? It's, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go and do this startup. I'm like, well, you know, number one, I don't really like startups for a variety of reasons, but, but the number two is like, 
you know, you, you shouldn't be doing anything where you don't already know that you're going to make money. It's not that hard to put some time and effort into research and look at things and say, I have an idea. I need to make sure this idea is actually going, is actually going to make money. Um, so for me, everything was all about, I didn't want to risk time and effort on things where I knew there wasn't going to be any money. In it. I mean, it's plain and simple. I, if I'm going to devote my time to something, I want to make sure I'm getting a return. The idea of just like quitting my job and, you know, holding up in a apartment somewhere and putting together what I think is going to be the next great strap Uber for X. Uh, no, man, that's, that's madness. That's the, you know, the world is littered with the corpses of failed <laughs> startups. And, and um, I much would rather be a survivor uh, than, you know, I look at it in terms of like, I'd rather be successful and not be a zillionaire than throw everything away on a bad idea. <laughs> well said, well said. Uh, Chris, what happened? I mean, lately you're producing these kind of quotes, like, uh, is this like uh, you're becoming a philosopher now? <laughs> well, since I don't have any more good ideas, I might as well start becoming a philosopher. <laughs> Testing, dad, no one cares about good practices, so it's time to pivot onto something else. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's about time to wrap it up with the developer shout out because we've been going on. This has been a great conversation. Um, I have so many show notes here. There's still questions on Twitter. Lee Davis has asked another one about um, dealing with the workload and, and being choosy and stuff. Like this is, um, these are all really good points that we just didn't get to. So we'll, I think this the business of PHP and the being a PHP entrepreneur, these episodes, we'll just have to keep going and we'll get into more details on each of these topics just because I think there's a lot of, a lot of questions and good, good info out there. Um, but the developer shout out uh, is just one of my favorite segments of every show that I like to um, recognize a, a developer in the community for their awesome contributions and everything they've been doing because there's so many awesome um, com community people out there that um, give and give and give. Um, and so this is a way to kind of give back. And the developer shout out is sponsored this week by Laracasts.com. Yay. And they're providing a $50 Amazon gift card to recognize the developer for this episode. And if you don't know, Laracasts is the Netflix for developers. And if you're listening to the PHP Roundtable because you're trying to learn more about PHP, then you're just going to love Laracasts because there's all kinds of these screencasts showing you step-by-step -step how to really do some like really cool things in PHP. And I'm a personal subscriber and I've learned tons from Laracast, so definitely check that out, Jeffrey Way. Um, for this episode, I asked the panel to nominate somebody um, who has kind of influenced the, the community um, or has um, done a lot of really great things in converting their PHP knowledge into a, a professional service. And they nominated Scoop on Twitter. Scoop is a service. Stefan Kolpschat. 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 Yes. So what was the, uh, what was the motivation for nominating uh, Scoop? Well, first of all, uh, uh, yeah, he started off like, uh, hey, I got this idea. I want to start uh, doing my business. I'm not sure. And now he's uh, running a successful business in the Netherlands. Uh, he's got uh, uh, a couple of guys working for him. Uh, one of them is Mike from Real. Uh, uh, probably the name doesn't say anything, but uh, if you use PHP Documenter, is uh, uh, the lead project uh, of that. Uh, he's uh, um, involved in so many uh, community things. Uh, he's on the radio, uh, uh, having his own radio show. Uh, I mean, he's so involved in all that. Uh, it's it's great. It's great to see him 
being so active uh, and, and, and successful. Yes. So, Scoop, thanks so much for your uh, for your contributions to the community, and we are going to. I'm going to try to reach out to you on Twitter and try to get you a um, uh, your physical snail mail address so I can send a thank you card and a fifty dollar Amazon gift card uh, sponsored by Laracast to you. And um, wrapping it up, our next episode. Um, actually, um, before I talk about our next episode, um, I like to give uh, all the guests an opportunity to do a shameless plug. So, Michelangelo, you got anything you want to promote, real quick? Uh, well, if you need uh, quality uh, PHP consultancy, uh, and um, uh, I mean, I'm uh, the European side of uh, Chris, uh, so if you want to go further with testing and then uh, quality insurance, uh, be sure to uh, check us out into it.be. Uh, we'd love to help you out. Awesome. And Chris, you got something? Uh, yeah, sure. So two things real quick. So all the like kind of all the books and info products that I've been doing are up on uh, my website at grumpy-learning.com. Um, and for anybody who's in the Nashville, uh, Tennessee area, I'm going to be there doing a workshop on the 24th of July, kind of a introduction to PHP unit testing. Um, if you look for it online, uh, I'll give you the thing in the show notes. I think you just search because it's done, done with Tito.io. So if you go with Search, just search for um, Grumpy Learning Tito. I mean, that's how I usually find it because I always forget what the URL is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm doing a workshop. Um, yeah, it's nice that Michelangelo uh, says that he's the a European side of me. Michelangelo is way, way better at this sort of stuff than I am. I'm, I'm, I'm good at making my own stuff. Uh, Mike is really good at helping other people make good stuff. That's the that's really the big difference. Yeah, well said, well said. Like right. I said, he, he's turning into a philosopher. I, I, I love this guy. He's a famous quote generator. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, our next episode is going to be about PHP 7 and uh, focusing on the release management cycle. And there's a lot of really cool things coming out of PHP 7, and there's Alpha 2 is out, and I think um, beta, the release candidate one's coming out really soon. So lots of PHP 7 buzz going around. So we're going to be talking a lot more about that. And uh, if you have something you'd like to share um, on the PHP Roundtable, any topic that a PHP nerd might care about, definitely hit me up on Twitter. I'm Sammy K, S-A-M-M-Y-K, or just ping PHP Roundtable on Twitter. Um, and love to get your topic on here and maybe you on here too. That'd be fun. Uh, we need more developers on here. It's all about sharing. So thank you so much, Chris and Michelangelo, for joining us for, for this uh, awesome discussion. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Well, thank you, Sammy. This was good. We need to do this again. Yes, yeah. absolutely. The PHP Roundtable is recorded live using Google Hangouts on Air. If you'd like to get more information about the live broadcasts, visit phproundtable.com. While you're on the site, join the mailing list to get notified about the next live episode. And hey, maybe even join the conversation at the roundtable. We'd love to hear what you have to say. The theme music is provided by Bensound at bensound.com. The PHP Roundtable logo was designed by Clint McManaman, and you can find him at mcmanaman.co. That's M-C-M-A-N-A-M-A-N.co. Thanks for listening. I'm Sammy K. Powers, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode.